0: Hey everybody, you're listening to the Poema Church Podcast. Today, we're sharing a message from our latest series. We believe the Word of God in Scripture is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website, poemachurch.ca. I'm uh, talking about week two in the series God's Plan. If you have not seen Pastor Matt's message from the last time we gathered week one, I really, really encourage you to check it out online. You know, these series that we're doing are what Matt and I believe God's word for our churches right now. It's not just like a nugget of teaching for you to just keep in your back pocket and someday maybe remember. This is what God's doing in this house. And if, just to set some context, we have two locations here in Kitchener and we have a church in Hamilton. And in the coming months, they're going to be renamed to be the same name, but they are a family. And so Pastor Matt, my husband, is in Hamilton this morning speaking to our Hamilton location. And I have my daughter with me who's just playing around back there in that, uh, that front row. We have two children, Charlie, she's eight, and London, he's seven. And we've been pastoring our Hamilton location for three years. We took over from my parents who moved on and uh, we took over New Song in May of this year. Now, New Song's founding pastors are my husband's aunt and uncle. Okay, so it's a big family tree. I'm just giving you some context. So we are slowly but surely just getting to know all of you and getting to know this church family in this city. Anyways, I want to start with... The Bible. Is that okay? That's why we're here. So we're in Revelation chapter 1 verses 4 through 6. You can follow along on the screens I believe. Um, It says this. It says grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you lay out so clearly that you love us, that you freed us from our sins, and that you actually have a plan for our lives. You have a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. You have a plan and a purpose for your church, and we ask that we would see that today through this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you've been here for a while, if you've been in church for a while, you've probably asked yourself the following questions. Who am I? In this church who am i where do i belong what's my role am i really getting what i need here am i getting fed what i need am i just here for the relationships and the friendships am i here because i literally have nowhere else to go why do i need to show up every sunday what does it matter if i'm here can i just watch online Why do I need to be? If I'm not getting anything from these gatherings, why am I coming? Who am I? Am I a parishioner? Am I a congregant? Am I a spectator? Am I a member? Am I a leader? The title of my message today is, Who Am I? Because I think that a lot of us at one point or another have asked ourselves the question, within the context of being a part of God's church, who am I in this place? Where do I fit in? What's my role? What's my purpose here? And if you don't understand that within the confines of the church, stick yourself in any other scenario. Stick yourself in high school, stick yourself in a circle of friends, in university. Who am I? What is my purpose? This is the question, the age old question. And I love the word of God because 99.9% of the time, the answer is right there. But we don't always like the answer. We're not always really interested in God's answer. We want something uh, that makes us feel better. We want something that's a little bit easier to swallow. But we read in Revelation 1, 4 through 6, it says that, Jesus has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve God and the Father. I'm going to go to 1 Peter 2, 4 through uh, 5, and then 9. It says, as you come to him, the living stone, which is Jesus, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We jump down to verse 9, and Peter says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Now, I'm going to bet you've never answered the question, who am I, with, I'm a priest. I'm going to guarantee, I don't see any callers in here. I don't see any suits and collars. Unless you're an actual vocational pastor, I'm going to guarantee that you've never said to yourself, who am I? I'm a priest. I know you haven't. Because when we get a revelation of who we actually are, it radically transforms our lives it radically transforms our church. Okay, so let's get into this. Peter's talking about, I've made you into a royal priesthood. Now, he's saying that Christians in this scripture are both the spiritual temple. He said, I'm building you into a spiritual house. But then he also says that you are the priests of that temple. Peter is using these words describe that we are the place now where God dwells. And not only that, we are priests, which means we have access to God. Now, back in the Old Testament days, the priests were the only ones who were allowed to enter certain levels of the temple. So it was not like today, except if you're a part of some sort of um, denomination that believes that the priest is closer to God than you are. I'm just going to tell you right now, that's not biblical, okay? The Bible says that all of us are priests, which means all of us have the exact same access to God as one another. Did you know that? I said this to somebody a couple weeks ago. They were like, you know, as the pastor, you should really be the example of, like, the best way to do everything. And I was like... Do you have the same Bible as me? Yeah. Do you have the same Holy Spirit as me? Yeah. You serve the same God as I do, right? Yeah. So, what makes you think that me, as the pastor, should be able to access the same things that you have better than you can? It's not biblical. The only role that I have, the fivefold ministry, Pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists, they were there to help organize and structure the people. They were not there to be a pass-through for people to God. That is not biblical. And what happens is we get in this mindset where we think we're not the priest, they're the priest. And we all know the priest is the one who has to do all the hard work of getting to God. Therefore, we absolve ourselves of having to have any responsibility to have our own relationship with God, to know God for ourselves, to live for him ourselves. And this is what happens. So the Hebrew church in the book of Hebrews is under attack. This is um, Jewish converts. And what's happening is people during this time that the book of hebrews is written are looking at them like where's your priest where's your temple where's your statues where's don't you come from a lineage where like priests would sacrifice animals and go before god for you like where's any evidence of your religion now back in this day Every single person, for the most part, subscribed to some sort of religion. There were national religions, okay? There was the goddess of Diana. There was all of these different gods and idols and things that it was just a part of the culture. It was a part of the culture. And they're looking at Christians who are gathering in homes and wherever they can meet, and they're like, where's your temple where's your priest where's your idols where's and this is the response that the author of Hebrews writes to this church to encourage them it's found in Hebrews 13 11 through 16 it says this he's reminding them of their history he says the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering But the bodies of the animals are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate on the cross to make people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. That basically means let us identify, let us take up our own cross and follow Jesus. And then it says, through Jesus... Therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. In other words, the author is going, you are the priest. You are the one called to bring sacrifices. You are the one, and he actually outlines which sacrifices please God, and that is praising Him. And we're going to get into this doing good, sharing your life with others. So let's go back to this question Why am I here? Who am I? Am I a keyboard player? Am I a camera person? Am I a parishioner? Am I a spectator? Who am I? Now, Let me tell you this. Sacrifices is not a cool term that we use today. Count in your mind the amount of times that you've heard about bringing a sacrifice in the last 10 years of going to church. And sacrifice is not something we use a lot because we don't have a really clear understanding about what grace means. Now, we've been hearing about the grace of God and yes the grace of God is the only reason any of us are here but in our minds sometimes I think we think I'm saved by grace not by doing works so once I'm saved I don't have to do anything else I just get to exist in the grace of God now grace isn't the opposite of work. Grace is the opposite of merit. Do you know what merit is? That means that I earned something that I deserve because of my hard work. So you can't earn salvation through work. You can't earn grace. Grace is given to you freely through Jesus Christ. But grace empowers you to work. Grace does not absolve you of work. Now, you don't work so that your sins are forgiven. You don't bring sacrifices so God will accept you. You bring sacrifices because you were saved through grace. And you want to offer something in gratitude to God. Now... Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, he tells us that God has good works for us to do. And then back in Hebrews, it says, Offer a sacrifice of praise to God, and don't forget to do good, to share with others. Earlier on, First Peter says, You are a holy priesthood. You're to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. So, If I am saved by grace and not by works, but I am called to, Philippians 3.12 says, to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of for me. Those sound like action words. God has work for me to do. I have to take hold of something. I have to fulfill fill the good works that God has planned for me, that doesn't sound like passive spectator sport Christianity. That doesn't sound like I come into a building one hour a week and mentally assent to something and leave, and nothing changes in my life, and I don't offer any sacrifices of my time, my talent, my resources. Whoever I am is for me. And my one hour on Sunday is for the Lord. You know, Pastor Matt, you got to watch his message. But one of the points he made was that we love to bring to God whatever we think we want to bring to God. And the thing about a relationship is you have to bring him what he wants. Like, I, I, he probably told the story, but like, I hate mayo. And I've talked about this. I hate mayo. You bring me a mayo sandwich, and I'm like, do you even know me? And imagine if someone who's supposed to love me brings me something that I don't like. You get a gift from your significant other, and it's such a horrible gift that you're like, do you even know me? And when it comes to God, we're like, oh, he's just happy I showed up today. Come on now. That doesn't work in any other relationship context. Oh, he's just happy that I scraped myself out the door and got here 20 minutes late. My butt is in this seat. God be the glory. Do you know him? Because if you knew him, you know what he likes. You know what he wants. You know what he asks of you. And you do it because you're in a loving relationship with a loving God who like Quentin said earlier, loved you first. So how do we get here? How do we get to this place? Everywhere we go in our lives, we are consumers. Everywhere. You go to the grocery store to buy groceries to feed your family. You turn on the TV, you consume entertainment. You open your phone, on Instagram and there's customized ads of things that you've been talking about to somebody when your phone was in the other room that your phone heard and it, it's now providing ways for you to consume even when you're not with your phone it's amazing and then we come into the house of God and it's really hard for us to shake that mentality you know, when we go to a restaurant, we expect good service because we're paying for it. When we, you know, have a, a mechanic fix our car, we if they do a bad job, we bring it back and we go, Listen, I paid you X amount of money and you didn't fulfill your job. We live in an in a economic system that is built on consumers. If there's no consumers, there's no economy. If there's no economy, there's our entire civilization collapses, and we have to start new. And then we come to the house of God, and it's difficult. And we come into his church, and we go, well, this, this church isn't really feeding me. You know, all this music, this isn't really my style. Can I file a complaint? Or like, you're asking for my money? You're supposed to be giving to me. And we have a consumer mindset. What am I going to get out of this service? What does God have for me today? I've heard it. I've I've probably said it. (laughs) And we sit and we wait. You know, today I was a little bit frustrated. I'm like, oh, God, there's no music playing. Our band's going up. And it was this picture of people sitting and waiting for what's happening up here to start. And no fault to you at all. But I thought to myself, isn't this a picture of our hearts? We just sit and wait for somebody else to do for us what we're fully capable of doing for ourselves. We wait for somebody to lead us before we start singing. We wait for somebody to tell us to lift our hands before we lift our hands. We wait for someone to tell us to give before we give and even then we probably don't give anyways. We wait for someone to contribute to us because we're consumers, and it's killing the church. It's killing the church. Watch. This is proven fact. Consumerism is killing the church because the church was never supposed to be about what the church can do for you. The church was a place where the priests bring a sacrifice of praise. The church was a place where the priests come and bring an offering to the Lord. Yes, it's also a place where we're called to equip the saints. Okay, We're called to do what we're doing right now, preach and teach the word of God. We're called to reach the world with the gospel. But first and foremost, we are called To love the Lord our God with all our heart and mind. We're called to worship him. We're called. Now, I'm going to get into this because I still think that we don't really believe what what I'm talking about here because there's work to do. And you have a job to do and your job is a priest. And you have sacrifices that need to be made that no one else can make for you. Now, Martin Luther who was a German uh, theologian back, I don't know, fifteen, sixteen hundreds. He is famously known for separating from the Catholic Church because he read what Peter wrote, where he called us priests, and he was like, wait a minute, I don't need a priest. I am a priest. It was a mind-blowing revelation that he had that The word of God actually tells me that I'm a priest. But the problem is, is there's weight to this and there's responsibility to this that's pretty lost in our churches today, right? We come, we wait to be served. We wait to be taken care of like customer service in the house of God. We wait for the parking lot attendant to park us and the coffee bar person to make our coffee and the worship team to start singing and the preacher to start preaching. And this church has not enough things going on for me. This church doesn't have any classes. This church doesn't have this. And the whole thing is about us. The whole thing is about what we're getting and what we're not getting. And you know what happens and the reason I say that our church, the church won't survive consumerism is because consumerism never puts you in a position where you have to exercise what you're learning. And so your faith is dwarfed. Your faith stays weak and shriveled because someone else is going to come along and just do it for you. And you don't have to pray because the pastor's going to pray on Sunday. And you don't have to read the word because the pastor's going to preach on Sunday. You don't have to sing because there's people with microphones singing. And what ends up happening is you never get the experience yourself. And your faith never has the opportunity to grow because it's actively working out in your own life. And now we have movements like deconstruction, like... You can see it so clearly. We just went through an entire decades of seeker-sensitive, seeker-friendly churches. We're all about the loss. We're all about reaching the loss. We're all about getting out there. We're all about, and it's all about making the experience make people feel comfortable. That's been the last 20 years. And now what's happening All of my generation, the entire millennial generation is going through deconstruction because we never had to be a priest. We never were expected to do it ourselves, to live our faith ourselves, to bring the sacrifice ourselves. And so it's not real to us because it's not been practiced It's been somebody else telling us what to do, what we need, what we should. And we just consume, consume, consume. And the reality is, is if God didn't think it was important for you to be a priest, for you to be called to bring these sacrifices, he wouldn't have put it in here. And we can't ignore it. And we can't say, oh, the New Testament, it's just all about grace and it's all about mercy. And I just have to show up and it's, you know, it's just about being present and it's just about accepting. Yes, but it's also repeatedly about sacrificing. It's also repeatedly about doing the thing, doing it. And the cool part is, is Proverbs 11.25 says that those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Refreshed. So being a consumer is what makes you burn out. Being a consumer and constantly being in a position of this actually makes you grow tired and weary. And what energizes and refreshes you is when you are there to serve the Lord and to serve the people around you. This is what scripture says. So... You know, there's this mindset like Christianity, it's something called, it's Gnostic. So it separates our physical life from our spiritual life. So it doesn't really matter what I do in my physical life if my spiritual life is right. And the reality is, is that when the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, talks about the spirit man, it encompasses the whole self. Body, mind, soul, spirit. Christianity is holistic. It's the head and the heart and the hands and the spirit. And a passive consumer cerebral experience does not create disciples. And the calling of the body of Christ is to create disciples. And it creates a lot of us. And I, you know, I'm not picking on my generation, but if I'm gonna pick on anybody, I might as well pick on myself. We know so much. We're so smart. We think we are. There's never been a generation on the earth that has the access to the information that we do. I'm currently, currently getting a degree in biblical studies through seminary online in my bedroom on my bed I have access in my bedroom on my bed to what other people had to pack up their stuff and move away from home and move across the country and do all this stuff is it making our churches more powerful is it filling the buildings is it winning the lost I don't see him I don't see him because it's all up here and the way things go from here to here is we actually have to take it from here and we have to live it out no matter how we feel heard someone say Peter calls us a living stone being built into a spiritual house and when I'm at home in my pajamas watching church on the couch I'm a rolling stone I'm not a living stone I'm doing a whole lot of nothing (laughs) so what do priests do because according to Scripture I am an active participant. I'm called to bring a sacrifice. I'm called to bring something to the table. I'm a part of what makes the church what it is. I love when people come to me, or Matt, and they say, you know, our church just doesn't have any of this. And I go, oh, you want me to do that? What about you? It's a great idea. I'm so glad God's put it on your heart. You build it. Again, putting all the expectation on the person at the front, putting a pedestal up as if this person is supposed to be the, you know, the one whom all filters through. And then leaders fall and they disappoint us and then we get shattered to the ground because we're just human and bleed like everybody else and everything is a leader's fault and I understand. But like the church is a body, and it's many parts that come together to create the picture of what it was always supposed to be. Okay, let's just get practical for a minute. What do priests do? If you want to know who you are, the Bible says you're a priest. If you're a Christian, you're called to be a priest. Okay, not a Catholic priest, but a priest who does two things. You minister to the Lord and to others in that order. The Lord and then to others. We're here to worship him, to serve him, to love him first. And then we are called to do good and share what we have with others. Not my words. Not my words. My job is to minister to the Lord and to others. So how do we do that? The Bible says we do it with sacrifices. Sacrifices. Peter continues. He says, To be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we've established church isn't about me. We live in the Google review generation. We go somewhere, we leave our Google review. You can sink or make a business thrive. We own a coffee shop in Burlington. And um, it's just something we do on the side. And every time we get a Google review, I go on and I click the notification. And I'm super excited, but I'm also terrified because I know all it takes is one person to write something really nasty. And we all start going, oh, God. I love it, and I hate it. But, you know, we're not here to give our Google review on the church. Mm, The sound is a little too loud, and I don't really like the lighting in here, and, you know, I just wish that all the frills would go away. Like, can we just sing two songs and speak a message and get out of here, and, oh, you know, I I just, I, I don't really like the screens, or I don't really like that girl. She's young, and, you know, who does she think she is, and... And, um, you know, that worship transition was way too long. Like, I have somewhere to be. These announcements. Are these announcements ever going to end? Why doesn't this church do anything? Why isn't there more events? Why isn't there a women's ministry? Why isn't there? It's literally a constant thing. Because that's what we do. That's what our culture does. And the Lord says that we're supposed to offer sacrifices. So let's Let's just let me just encourage you. I'm going to just start going here. Psalm 150 tells us to praise the Lord with loud songs and dancing. Psalm 141 tells us to lift our hands. Psalm 100 tells us to come into his presence with thanksgiving and singing. Psalm 95 tells us to bow down and kneel before him. Malachi 3 tells us to bring the tithe or the first fruits of our money into the house of God. First Chronicles tells us not just to bring the tithe, but to bring an offering. Romans 12 tells us to present our bodies as living sacrifices, bringing our gifts and talents to serve the body of Christ. James 5 tells us to pray about everything. Hebrews 13 tells us to share with others. God is really clear about what he wants. What I just read to you is 0.0005% of what is written in the word of God about what he wants and what he likes. Well, I just prefer to worship the Lord inside my heart. But that's not what he asked for. That's not what he wants. He wants us to lift our hands, to kneel and bow before him, to come into his presence, to open our mouths, to sing loudly. It says, clash the cymbals, play the guitar, make it loud. And each one of us is expected to do it. Now, don't be a drummer if you're not a drummer, okay? That's not good. But in our own way, we can bring the sacrifice to him that he asked for. You know why we volunteer? Because Romans 12 asks us to bring our talents. Paul says, if you can teach, teach. If you're hospitable, be hospitable. If you're an encourager, encourage. We're called to all make this what it's going to be. And so many of us are just sitting there waiting for the pastor to make it what it's going to be, for the priest to do the work. But let me tell you something. What does a church that takes the responsibility of being a priest actually look like? A church where everyone realizes that they're a priest, that they're called to bring a sacrifice. And they come and gather every Sunday with loud singing, with thanksgiving in their hearts, with hands lifted high, lifting up a sacrifice of praise, bringing their offering, bringing their time, bringing their talents. That's a pretty incredible looking church. That's a church that somebody walks into and goes, I've got to be a part of this. Because there's life. There's his presence He's actively working on the inside of you because you are actively pursuing your relationship with him. It's filled with biblical, which means demonstrative, hand-lifting, participating people, bringing what is called acceptable sacrifices. Acceptable. Do you know what that means? that means some sacrifices are unacceptable. I know we don't think that because we've been preached at for years. God just loves you just the way you are and just bring your little pennies to him and he'll just be... Come on. You're blessed. You're blessed. You're richer than the majority of planet Earth. He's not happy with your pennies. He wants all of us. He wants your talents, your time, your resources, your pride, your pain, your wins, your losses. He wants all of it. He wants all of it. Friends, you're in a relationship with a real God who. While is a mystery, has spelled many things out for us in his word. Our priesthood is actually a gift. It's a privilege. Through Christ, who is called our ultimate priest, you get access to God for yourself. And I want us to take a few minutes, and Mike, you can come and just play. I want us to take a minute here and just maybe like reevaluate our hearts towards church, towards gatherings. Am I here as a consumer or a contributor? Because if we want a passionate church filled with the fire of God and the power of God at work in our lives, bringing transformation bringing healing, bringing salvation to our lives and to this world, we have to do our job. We have to do our job. says offer your life as a living sacrifice. The people who were reading this scripture when it was written to them couldn't get out of their minds the image of That's the picture that was being painted to them. It had nothing to do with mental. I'm mentally bringing a sacrifice. It was something you did with your whole life. says you are he says you're a priest we going to accept the task. Accept that we have a job to do, that we have a part to play, that we have a sacrifice to bring. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you speak to each and every one of us. And right now, we just ask that you would help us to walk this out that you would help us to see ourselves I just feel like there's some of you in here that you just feel completely insignificant like what you do and say makes no impact anyways so what's the point point? and Lord I pray right now that by your power and your love that you would reveal to people right now their value That you would reveal to them their purpose and their calling. That each and every one of us is a priest. Each and every one of us is significant in your kingdom. And I ask that you would put on people's hearts different ways that they can bring a sacrifice to you, not to be accepted, not to be loved not to be worthy, not to be forgiven. But because you gave everything for us, we get to offer our lives back to you. And I just pray that you would surround each and every person with hope that you have a plan and a purpose and a future, that you have good works for them to do and help us to Engage in what you're doing and be a part of it. In Jesus' name, bless each and every one. We honor you. We love you. We worship you today, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website, huamachurch.ca.